0: East Lansing. This is City Pulse on the air. Joining you now, your editor-in-chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello, this is arts editor Skylar Ashley filling in for publisher Burl Schwartz, who's currently on a trip to Mexico. On today's show, we're going to learn about a brand new wellness center that combines services such as therapy, massage, and hair care and is a safe, welcoming space that caters to the needs of people of color and members of the LGBTQ community, which has just set up shop here in Lansing. The Wild Ferns Wellness Center, which opened last Monday, is the vision of partners Parker Curtis and Raja Evans. I spoke with them about their efforts to create a unique community center and services hub. Let's listen to that interview.
1: All right, so why don't we just um, start at the beginning when did this all come together, and uh, you know, how did you make it happen, and what was your vision?
2: About five, six years now, and when I was still in grad school in my internship, I was doing an internship at Connolly Counseling in Ann Arbor, which is a LGBTQIA-focused um, center, and so I learned a lot there, and we worked with a lot of you know transgender clients and people of color. And I started to recognize the um differences between Lansing and Ann Arbor, in that we we didn't have anything anything like that right We didn't at the time we had no therapy spaces here that I knew of that were purely uh focused on um you know individuals that are in the margins of our our community that are you know not the mainstream or the majority um and so I just started thinking about what a wonderful thing that could be for our community. Um and then I came back to Lansing and did private practice for a little bit in uh, East Lansing at Alliance Psychological Associates. And the you know, the idea just kept building in me that we could be doing more. And not just like mental health therapy but also being more um about holistic wellness and being able to offer services to to people in a safe environment. Um one thing that has always struck me is that it's not that that there's not necessarily accessibility to services like I mean we have massage therapy, we have electrolysis, we have mental health therapy, and anyone is welcome to go there but it's this um social kind of social accessibility like do you feel do you feel safe, do you feel welcome? Do you know that when you go in people are gonna use your right name and your pronouns? Do you know that when you go in, you're very—it's very unlikely that you're going to um, suffer a microaggression um, because of your skin color or because of someone how it perceives you. Like the, those are the um, accessibility barriers that we are trying to to overcome. Um, so creating welcoming, safe space where people can go and get their needs met and have more access to it just like the the majority the mainstream community has, you know. That's been our, our big goal and our and our vision is to just keep growing and building um we would if if we had our way, we would have also a primary care physician who um could prescribe prep for HIV prevention and HRT for gender variant and transgender clients. Um, that would be wonderful. And maybe like a voice therapist, a nutritionist. Like we we really want to, we're just getting started, but already the vision is very expansive. Um, how long has the wellness center been open for
1: so far and what are the exact components of it?
2: So I mean, Rizzo started seeing a couple of clients last week um, in their in their hair lounge um, in Roots Hair Lounge, uh, which is in the wellness center. It was separate, but in it, right? Um mm-hmm. But we we actually really opened today. So massage therapy starts today. Um, my therapy practice starts to move there today. I've been doing telehealth from home, but I can do telehealth from there and also see uh, clients who need it in person. Um, electrolysis will open, and I'm estimating two to three weeks. We just need to get our, um, liar la, la, the licensing requirements. They need to come do their inspection, and then we'll be good to go from there. Um, so right now we have electrolysis, uh, massage therapy, mental health therapy, and uh, root hair lounge.
1: Mhm. I've already spoken with visa about root hair lounge, but you want to uh, talk a little bit more in detail about the. Um the other uh, businesses, practices that are a part of uh Fernand's sure. Wellness Center.
2: Tell me about Absolutely. the uh,
1: individual parts.
2: Absolutely. Well, my therapy practice, Transformative Therapy, is there. Uh, I have been doing private practice for about five years, and my main focus has been on um, treating LGBTQIA um, clients ally clients, questioning clients, and also centering um, people of color. Uh, That has been my passion, and that's what I um, continue to do. I'm also a transgender-identified clinician uh, who is going to marry a person of color, so these are areas really close to my heart. Um, Our massage, massage therapy... Uh, the person that is starting today her name is Alicia Myers Um, she is very uh, trauma informed so you know being a, a bi POC and LGBT centered space we understand how important it is to be trauma informed in all of our areas and with massage therapy we recognize too that the communities that we're centering have higher higher rates of experiencing trauma. Right? Like even just cultural trauma. Like just moving through the world day to day. The microaggressions, those those things, they might seem small but they they build up and they hurt. Um and really may feel unsafe or uncomfortable to receive something like massage therapy. And we're not even talking about like bigger traumas, like higher rates of like sexual abuse and those types of things and violence. Um and so, being a trauma-informed massage therapist means really, really focusing on being non-judgmental and understanding and, like, meeting the client where they are at, you know. Um, normally, in massage therapy, like, you fill out a paper when you come in saying what you want to work on, or the massage therapist might ask you, you know, what, are you, what areas do you want to work on today. Well, we might go a little bit further. Um, maybe communication can be different. Maybe it doesn't have to be in the middle of a session. You say, oh, that pressure is too light or that's too heavy. You know, someone who has been through traumas before might not be able to speak if they're feeling triggered during a massage. So we will work with clients to work things out with them ahead of time. Like all you got to do is raise your hand gently and we'll pause and wait for you to be able to, you know, massage labels will wait for you to be able to talk and then we'll we'll come back to it. And, you know, it's really centering the client, and um, empowering them by making sure that they feel in control of the session. Um, so that's really, really, really important. And the hope there, I think, is to help, again, help people get that access to services and also, like, being able to have consensual, safe, trust, uh, kind of touch where you're in complete control can be really empowering during the healing process of whatever you're healing from. Um So that's the massage therapy. Electrolysis, we have contracted with um, two ladies, uh, Mel Merkin and Susie Grace, and they are both electrolysis uh, in the area that have a vast experience working with uh, transgender clients. It is uh, almost always a prerequisite before receiving some gender-affirming surgeries that clients receive uh permanent hair removal electrolysis in those areas, and we're talking about the most sensitive vulnerable areas of of a person's body and so having someone that is compassionate and understanding and not judgmental and has that experience that can really form a bond with the client is uh super affirming and important. There's so many transgender clients that do not that may not actually ever go to receive um, a surgery that that they really need and want. I mean, not everybody wants any surgeries, and that's okay. But because of these, like, social barriers or financial barriers that, you know, going to get electrolysis in this area is too, is too scary, or their anxiety is too high, or they're worried about the electrolysis therapist and how they're going to be treated. Well, at least now they don't have to worry about that part because they're going to be respected. They're going to be affirmed. Um, the child therapist is going to be trauma-informed when working with them, um, and hopefully it'll be a good experience and they will experience safe space and be able to get their needs met. And then you already talked, I mean, you talked to Rizzo about Roots Hair Lounge. So that's the, yeah. that's the four parts we have going on right now with, the, you know, the hopes to...
0: This is Skylar Ashley with City Pulse on the air on Impact 88.9 FM. Let's return to my interview with Parker Curtis and Raja Evans.
2: Add in the future, but not too quickly. To tell me a bit about the two of you,
1: um, your working relationship when it comes to um, running Wild firms, Wellness Center. Absolutely. As co-founders, you know how how do you handle like what's each other's role here? How do you balance it?
2: What's our roles as co-directors, and how do we how co-founders and how do we balance it? I'm gonna let Raja speak because part of that is also she runs her billing business and does a lot of administrative work for Wild Friends, and uh, I'm sure she would like to talk about that. My name is Raja. I run a, my own business as
3: well out of um, Wild Friends Wellness, which is a bloom billing and credentialing services. So I do the um, billing for the therapists working in our office. Um, mostly... Uh, Admin work, you know, credentialing them with insurance companies and billing the sessions
1: um,
3: when it comes to like our roles um again, I do most of the admin work, the billing works um I'm mostly hands on with our facility, like the colors we chose, the everything we bought into in, into the facility um and my goal is to bring in people who are are, are lacking in the community that don't know first off that we don't that we exist now, and that are not um, getting the care they need because of the accessibility. Um, a lot of people of color, which I'm I'm black myself, I'm Afro-Latinx, and um, a lot of people in my community either have a stigma attached to therapy, or they are not going to therapy because they can't find who they are, are relatable. Um, And and my goal is to get those people into therapy um, and also um, let them know that it's okay to be in this space and it's safe here. And I've been to a few facilities myself where I'm, like, looking for a therapist, and I don't see people that look like me there. Or I have to choose a certain identity to fit in in that place. And I kind of want – I want this place to be a place where people can put their – like. Whole self, and when you walk into the door, and not just choose a certain identity, like you might have to say that, oh well, I'm choosing being black now, because you can't change being black, and um, or I want to fit in because I'm queer. I want that all to be able to to show when you walk into our doors. Um, but yeah, so like I, I do most of like the, like I said that the admin work and things like that, um, and Parker does kind of like um just like the therapy stuff, and I'm not really good at. Talking about this stuff like I'm not really good. We've <laughs> <laughs> <You've> been working. <laughs> do my, my best. best. After, like six no, you're doing great. Yeah, and oh. we so we started back in um, like, we found the space and we thought about it. Like it was, it's, it's so it happened very fast. So as I it, we thought about it in like July, it was like, oh, well, it's the pandemic? Should we really be doing this? And I'm like, we need this space. We need just go ahead and do it. And then we saw we saw the space in like August. And then we were like, okay, we're going to do it in September. And then ever since September, we've been creating it and making it happen, like, every single day. Everything we've we've done has been so hands-on since day one. And it happened in, what, like six months? It was just like from zero to complete. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Tell me about um, your familiarity with, you know, the Lansing, LGBTQ, um, POC community. Are you are you both from Lansing, or have you lived in Lansing a long time?
3: Um, well, I'll start with myself. I am originally from Chicago. Um, uh-huh. I moved here. I moved to Michigan back in 2011. Um, I lived in Holland, Michigan first. Um, mm. And then I moved to Lansing when me and Parker got engaged. Um, Parker's been here their whole life. Um, my connection with the community, um, I have people here that are, that i've um became basically family to me um once I moved here, and most of those people are um either black or um people of color people that are in the LGBTQ community as well um one of our close friends um p y opened the Salus Center of Lansing. Uh-huh. Um, which is a resource center here in Lansing, and they're one of our closest friends. So, like, when they opened that, that kind of, like, planted the seed as well. Like, okay, they finally bring in a resource center here
2: that is very needed.
3: Um, what can we add on to that?
2: Uh, a couple other things I think is really important just to mention is that, you know, we're not a nonprofit organization. But there mm-hmm. is some talk of, like, bringing, making part of it at least nonprofit, but we do really care about financial accessibility, right? Like we don't, we, we really want to be accessible, right? Like we want people to show up, uh, and we don't, we don't want barriers. Um, so, you know, along this creation way, I've had a lot of like friends and family and, you know, people that might not be part of the communities that we're sponsoring, uh, but want to help like like hey we can come help you work or whatever, this and that. And so what we decided to do is like set up like a um people can, can come onto the website and buy gift cards if they want and we're just gonna like put those funds into like a scholarship fund and then put a like need application on there so that, you know I
4: I uh, okay.
2: Yes, I just was thinking about what I said the other day about like someone being able to come get their first like haircut or something, uh, but it me and, yeah, it makes me emotional uh, but uh, so that people you know can can really get their needs met right like i don't mm-hmm. I don't want any woman to not be able to go get their medical gender needs met because they have insurance that will pay for their medical needs or surgery, but they can't get electrolysis, and insurance doesn't pay that or you know,
3: like uh, just a, like even just imagining like that like someone started starting transition, and you know being able to get gender affirming haircuts or you know hairstyles, um, to be able to finally get a massage because they've been so stressed out over times of time, you know, all the trauma they've been through. Um, we want to be able to for them to be um, be able to afford those um things without. Um. I guess without that barrier but that financial barrier so I'm not sure if it's going to be like a scholarship fund or however we do it but it will be a way that folks can apply to, okay. to like you know those things so that we can provide those for them based on like you know donations
1: obviously you have a passion for helping marginalized people um, this question is for Parker um, what inspired you to get into therapy as a career. Was it specifically to help with that?
2: Or When I was in high school, I used to spend a lot of time in my school counselor's office. Like, probably every day, I was just in her office and maybe she, I wasn't talking to her, but I would just go sit in there because I was, like, made it through high school, but I was always kind of a like, the kid out or, you know, like, people, like, the black sheep or, like, people with, like, I was, you know, living as a girl at the time but people like call me a boy or it just, I just didn't feel comfortable, right? High school was not safe space. And so I would just go hang out in the counseling waiting area or in the counselor's office if she wasn't busy and would let me just come talk, talk, just chat with her, you know?
1: And Uh, so I
2: think that really inspired me to really recognize that I can make a difference. And so I always kind of knew, like, that's what I wanted to do. And then I was going to Siena Heights University for my bachelor's degree in uh, community services and family systems and still had no idea I was going to be a mental health therapist. And then they just, they opened up a master's of counseling program at Siena Heights, the campus um, right next to LCC, like the university building. And so to me, there was just no question. I was like, oh, okay, I know what I'm doing now. Uh, so <laughs> that's just what happened, and the rest just kind of the rest of it just kind of unfolded like right? I was still like transgender, but in the closet, had been living as a lesbian for twenty years or so um, and started like coming out in my own process and then also helping other people at the same time. It was kind of this weird dual helping and going through like the the whole process of socially coming out and medical transition and those kinds of things uh and then it just you know inspired me to want to help more and and do more um so that's really what happened mm-hmm. uh, the other thing that I think is really i really wanna i'm trying to figure out how to put this in the in the website I have to think about this but <laughs> i'm 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 really concerned i'm really con- i'm concerned that people are going to see. BiPOC and LGBTQIA, you know, s two plus centered space, and think that's the space is only for those people. And centered is means is not does not mean exclusionary, right? We, I don't. We need allies there. We want allies there. We want advocates there. We want to build community with people, not just our communities, but the broader community. We'd like to change the local culture a little bit. The other part mm-hmm. is that I don't I don't think we'll be able to survive without our allies and advocates, right? And
3: then yeah. they shy
2: away. No, we, we need you there.
3: It, yeah, it's more about it being centered around those folks because those folks are not usually ever centered in a place um, and providing them, like, that quality care. But we want the allies to know that you are welcome there, just knowing you are here, that these people are centered, so that you don't you know, don't come into the space, so like you're you're not taking else space being here, but just know that you do walk through those doors, and we're we are centering those people, and and that that just means that everyone has a, an equal chance to get the care they need, because that's not usually the case in most places.
2: Exactly. When you, I, I come from a very strong belief in Rastafari Soup that when you center the marginalized people, you serve everybody better. Can you tell me a little bit about how the two of you met? <laughs> Go ahead, babe. Uh, we met.
3: <laughs> I tried to ghost me. No, I'm just
2: kidding.
3: <laughs> um, we met on Facebook, just like randomly. I don't even remember what group we were in. Just, like, in the Facebook group, Um, they had like a posted something about where you were located, and it just so happened that Parker was in Lansing, and I had just moved to Holland. Um, okay. And they they sent me a message, and I kind of like, I kind of like ignored them for a while, and was just like, because I was, I was going through my own situation. I was just like, eh, I don't know about this, and I had just moved there, so I really didn't, I I couldn't just like trust anybody. I just messaged me on Facebook, so I was just like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but eventually we ended up connecting. Um, I made them like face like messaged me on online and then, like, Skype with me because I was like, what if you're catfishing me? Or what if, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know who you are, you know. And we ended up having a Skype, like, talk and date, and then we met in person and went on a date. And, I mean, honestly, it's weird, but, like, since the first date, we've always been connected. There hasn't really been a time since that day,
1: which mm-hmm. was almost, about nine right years away. ago.
3: Yeah. So we started d- dating um, nine years ago. So nine yeah. years ago, yep. Ever since then, it's been great. So, and we get we supposed to get married last year. Actually, because of COVID, we, we had to postpone. So we're we'll probably going to getting married on a, around our ten year anniversary next year. Very cool. Thank you both. All right. All right thank, thank you, you so much. I appreciate it.
0: You can learn more about the Wild Ferns Wellness Center at wildfernswellness.com. dot com. And now, to close out the show, we'll hear a rare Michigan track from music editor Rich Topeka. Here's Rich.
5: Hello City Pulse listeners. Today I'm going to be playing some old tunes from Detroit. And uh, when most people think of Motown and Motown girl groups, uh, you think of the Supremes, Marvelettes, Martha Vandella, all the big names. But if you dig a little bit deeper, there's some other tracks on some more obscure labels. And uh, the first one I'm going to play here is by a group called the Primettes. And this one is called Tears of Sorrow. It's from back in the mid-60s. You know, it's kind of overshadowed by uh, Motown, who had all the big hits, but these uh, tracks are a little bit more lo-fi and a little bit more gritty, but they're uh, equally as great. So here it is, the Primettes doing Tears of Sorrow. That was the Primettes doing their mid-60s single, Tears of Sorrow, Detroit-based girl group. And then up next right now, we got time for one more. So uh, this one is another Detroit girl group. This time, it's the Kittens doing I Love You So, another track from the mid-60s. So here it is. Check it out. Ah!